Can you can y'all hear me? Oh, sit down. Please be seated. Um, let's ask the Lord for help because I am going to need it. Lord God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he is risen. We thank you that your mercy is so much greater than our sins. Um, when we sin, your grace abounds, but may we never sin so that grace abounds. But when we do, Lord, we know that you are a faithful mediator. You are a faithful savior. You rescued us from darkness. Uh, open our eyes to your word. May I magnify you. May I make much of you. Uh, may I not even be seen. May I rightly divide your word to edify your people and magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, our main text is going to be Genesis 18:25. Um, I'll read it. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. I'll read it again. Eight, Genesis 18, verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. So here we, this is uh, Abram and Jesus walking into Sodom. They're, they're walking into the valley and they're walking down and this is Abraham talking to the Lord about Sodom. So when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, what are some of the things you think about when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah? That's a question. Sin. Lou? Destruction. Justice. What, is there anything else that we think about? Christian? Two angry angels. Two angry. Two angry angels. Complete depravity of a community. Judgment. Unrepentance, right? Um, you will probably say justice or judgment or depravity or death or something of the like. But what you should think of is the mercy of God in saving sinners by the justice of God in judging Christ on behalf of sinners. He judged Christ. So would you go to a place where there were confessed murderers, confessed homosexuals, confessed idolaters, confessed adulterers, confessed disobedient children? Who would go to such a place? We live in a place like that. We live in a place like that. Well, I don't know if you know it. This is where you are today, right now. You're in a place like that. If you're not, if you're not a confessed hater of God, a confessed idolater, a confessed adulterer, a confessed fornicator, then you're not one of his. The mercy of God is, is, is in, and so what I want us to do in this study is to not think of them versus us, but to think of us being saved by the mercy of God and judging Christ on our behalf. Because if you are not a confessed sinner, if you are not a repentant sinner, and if Christ has not died on your behalf, then there's literal hell to pay. So I want you to see, no longer see just the justice of God in judging Sodom and Gomorrah, but see the mercy of God in saving Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. See the mercy of God in redeeming you from your depravity, changing your nature, giving you a new heart. So think about that, right? You, you think of all those things and you kind of Sodom, but that's the church. We are really, truly confessed and repented sinners, but sinners nonetheless. Right? That's the mercy of God that he would save anyone. 
but a specific and a unique love for you is what we're going to talk about, is how, and we're going to show how that is very much here. Um, so I do want you to see the justice of God in Sodom and Gomorrah, but I also want you to see the mercy of God and how it applies to Sodom, but more specifically, how it applies to you. What, what, what the bowing down and the worship of this wonderful grace of God in saving and redeeming sinners. Yes, the judge of all the earth will always do what is just. But you should see the justice of God as the strange work of God and the mercy of God as his normal work, his day-to-day work for you and I. Please don't see God's mercy, though, as mundane. See it as amazing. See his mercy and his grace as amazing, as breathtaking, as astounding. Bow our hearts and worship Jesus of Nazareth, grace of God. And so what I mean by the strange work of God, how do we know that justice is God's strange work? Because you're breathing, Christian. We know that his justice is a strange work because you have breath. We know that his justice is a strange work because everyone in this room has breath. Don't see Sodom's sin, see your own. Don't run to Christ for Sodom's sin, run to Christ for your own. Your sins are many, my sins are many, and his mercy is more. So I asked Caleb, I said, hey brother, can you sing this song? Because a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we talk about it as though they need it. No, 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 I need it. You need it. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God to save us, and we need the grace of God to train us in righteousness. And if you see that they need the gospel, you've missed the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is I need the gospel. And then with that, in my sanctification, I take it to the world. The king is coming. He's come to be merciful, but when he returns, it is with full wrath. Run to him from him. Do not see Sodom as the they. See the Sodom as the you. See the Savior saving you. Does that make sense? And when you see it that way, it will become amazing, breathtaking, bow down in worship. Right? So what we're going to talk about, I went too far, sorry. The title of this Bible study is The True Mediator. Right? And so how the Bible, there, there's normally three offices when you hear in our Reformed tradition. Uh, shout out to Mike Pope for Reformed tradition. So uh, when you hear us talk about mediators in our tradition, we're talking about a prophet, a priest, or a king. So we're going to show Abraham as, our, as a mediator. We're going to define what a mediator is, and then we're going to show how the Scripture shows us Abraham as a type of mediator. And then, of course, we're going to get to the one true mediator. Right? And, and I hope when we get there, it causes us to see him in greater worship, in greater repentance, in greater bow down, in greater taking this great king who mediates on our behalf to all the world so that he can mediate for them. So how does the Bible define a mediator? Someone who stands between man and God. Someone who stands before God for man, right? Or someone who speaks to God for man, right? So we have the priest takes our, our high, the, in the Old Testament, God set up a high priest. The high priest was set up to do what? To, to 
sacrifice animals, to bring the prayers of the people to Yahweh. Then we see the king ruling and reigning and protecting his people. And then the prophet does what? He speaks the very words of God himself. Right? So we see Abraham mediating this covenant to Isaac, to Sarah, to Lot. Right? We see a, this was a, a brand new, this, the old covenant was, was amazing. Obviously, the new covenant far exceeds it, but the old covenant in which Abraham existed was phenomenal. It saved sinners. Right? So I want, to, I want to make sure we understand how important it is that God is so kind that he would send a mediator. You weren't asking for a mediator. I wasn't asking for a mediator. I was not asking for someone to rescue me. I was not asking for someone to give me the very words of God. I was not asking for someone to die on my behalf. I was not asking for someone to literally take my, my raggedy prayers to the Father and fix them. Right? If, if you think your prayers are great, I got something for you. They're not. Your best prayers need repentance. My best prayers need repentance. Your best prayers, you know what they need? They need Jesus. My best prayers are about Jesus, and they need Jesus. So I want to make sure we understand how wonderful it is, how amazing our God is to conceive of a mediator of, and show us different types of mediators that are the guys on the, on the corner with the subway sign pointing to the subway, right? It's like, oh, I want to go... Out. And, and so what I want us to make sure we understand is the mediators are, they're just pointers to Jesus. You do not fall in love with the guy pointing to the, like, you can get, and that happens. Sometimes you get enamored because the guy's doing tricks and backflips and you look, but that's not the point. The point is there's food inside. The point of those other mediators is there's hope. He's coming. Right? And so what I want us to do is when we walk away from, I'm going to, as Pastor Corey would always say, says sometimes, I'm going to lose all my friends because I'm going to come from your, t- your, your, your mediators today. I'm going to come for your internet pastors, your YouTube pastors, all of your favorite books. I'm coming for them. I want you to, we'll get there, but I just know I'm coming for them. So you might not like me, but that's okay. That's okay. Jesus will show you that go to him. Meet him in his word about him. Because no one can do anything for your sins but Jesus. I, 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 so that's where we're going to, is kind of lay the out, the, my outline. So the first point we're going to establish is that Abraham, what is, what is a mediator? Abraham's a mediator, right? So we have Abraham as a mediator. We see in Genesis 18, 22, Abraham, this is amazing. Abraham stood before the Lord. The Lord sent Abraham to mediate to show the mercy of God. So a lot of times you read that and go, what, what's going on? God in his infinite, wonderful wisdom was showing us a picture of Christ. He sends Christ to mediate perfectly. Abraham was not a perfect mediator. Was he a mediator? Yes. But no one, no one does it quite like Jesus. Right? So your favorite Protestant person, your, your, your this person or that person, they're not your mediator. When our pastors stand up here and you go, well, I'm checking, let me check their work with my favorite fill in the blank. That's your practical mediator. Repent and come to the real mediator. So then in Genesis 18.25 that we just read, Abraham is interceding for Lot. So what I'm going to work, what we want to work through is what's going on in in Genesis 18.25. I'm going to read it again and then I want you to, I want you to think about what's happening. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, 
so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. What is Abraham, what is a, what attribute of our great God is Abraham appealing to? Mercy. At this, thank you, Christian, for stealing my thunder. No, but <laughs> he's actually, in Abraham's mind, he's appealing to the justice of God to judge sinners. He doesn't understand quite yet that what he's actually appealing to, though, is the mercy of God. Abraham saying, no, God, you're going to do what is just. In Abraham's mind, God would never slay the righteous with the wicked as though the righteous is wicked. But I think you all kind of get where I'm going. That is literally the hope of all hopes, that the righteous one will die with the wicked as though he is wicked. That is an amazing. Right here, we see Jesus of Nazareth. We see the righteous one with the wicked dying as though he's wicked. I have no greater hope. You have no greater hope than that God would slay his son as though he was wicked. He who knew no sin became sin. That is an amazing concept. Abraham was not thinking that. What he wanted was he was interceding, mediating for, for Lot. He wanted his nephew to be saved. And so he was like thinking his nephew, right? He, he, he kind of had this thing mixed up. And, and why? You, here's what's going on. You have an adulterer saying, God, ju- don't judge my nephew with those homosexuals. As though adultery is better than homosexual sexuality. As though when the Lord says Sodom was full of great sin, what you are to immediately think, though, my God is a great Savior. Don't think, don't stop to give someone the law and not give them Christ who rescues them from the law is wicked. It is utter evil. I give you the law to run you to the great Savior, to run you to repentance, to Jesus. I don't give you the law just to to beat you up. I give you the law in hopes that you would repent from your sins and run to the one who lived out the law. So what's going on here? Is, Abraham, is the Lord is showing us he will absolutely slay the righteous as though he is wicked. Is there any greater hope? Have you ever considered that, yes, the only one righteous was slayed as though he was wicked? If you eat the fruit, you will surely die. So innocent, the innocent man, the innocent God-man should have never died. But he died for his bride. So I want, us, I want to really beat that home that Abraham was a mediator and what a mediator is. So then we see in Genesis 17, 20, that he, as, as a king, he creates the princesses, princes through Ishmael. And then we see him creating kings through Isaac. Again, a king creates princes and the king creates kings. He's a mediator. But now... I talk fast, so we're going to go fast. Sorry. Um, Point two, Abraham is what? A terrible mediator. So in Genesis 12, 13, Abraham tells and teaches Sarai to lie. They're going into Egypt, and he's like, hey, you're really gorgeous, and it's going to be a problem if they know that you're my wife. He literally teaches his bride to lie. 
right? So we, he knows he's an adulterer. He knows he's a liar. But look at what he, how he judges Sodom. Isn't that just like us? We think there are certain sins the Lord can't save from. We go, oh, those people. Well, you know, they're, we don't, don't. Mm-mm. And that's not what this thing is about. It's one beggar of bread telling another beggar of bread where to find the bread of life. It is not one good person. There will be no good people in heaven but Jesus. There will only be saved sinners. His, the bruises and marks will still be on his hands. Everybody else in heaven will be whole. We will still see that we are forgiven by his blood. Do not think of the gospel as us versus them, conservative versus liberal. Think of it as one beggar of bread telling another beggar of bread where to find eternal life, where to find the bread of life, where to find the righteous one slayed on their behalf. You must give them the law to run them to Christ. You don't give them the law and leave them there. That is utter, that's just evil. It's wicked. So we see again Abraham in Genesis 12, 13, all the scripture references are on, the, on your back page too, by the way. Um, but Genesis 12, 13, Abraham tells and teaches his wife to lie. And then also in 12, 13, a husband should do what? Lay down his wife, lay down his life like Christ does. But Abraham is like, I'm not willing to die for you, lady. Let's lie to get out of this. Right? So he's condemning Sodom, but he's the, how is he any different? He has the same nature as them. He's a liar. He's an adulterer. But isn't that wonderful that our God saves sinners? That should be great hope to you. That should be great hope to me that our God saves sinners. Because if it was about meeting the law, all of us would be in hell. It is about his son. Then we see in Genesis 13, 6, and 7, when him and Lot split up, right? It was like, wait, it's way too many of us in this little land. So, but Proverbs 17, 1 says something different. Proverbs 17, 1 says, it's better to have love with nothing than to have much with strife. But Abraham preferred his stuff over his nephew. Let's split up because I don't want to divide this stuff up anymore. It was Abraham's idea. It was Abraham's idea. So you see what's going on. He's like, wait, uh, he got his nephew. And, and that same idea is what got his nephew in trouble in the first place. Because then they came and kidnapped Abram. I mean, Sodom. I mean, Sodom came and kidnapped Lot. Excuse me. There should be a lot, of, a lot more mercy and grace in how we deal with each other. We should not be preferring material over the, in, our relationships as believers as family in Christ. What should be most important to us is honoring the Lord by giving up, like they did in the book of Hebrews. They, they surrendered their properties to go serve each other in jail. We are so about keeping our stuff here in this country. We should be about giving up, sacrificing. Why? Because that's what our Savior did for us. As, as, a, as, a pseudo, as a pseudo king, as a king, he should have been about protecting Lot. He wasn't. He was about protecting his items. He was about protecting his goods. 
Then the adultery, Genesis 16:2. The Bible says he listened to Sarai. Almost in juxtaposition of instead of listening to Yahweh. Yeah, let's go, you know, go sleep with my maidservant. That works. That's how we'll, we'll, let's be immoral to fulfill the promises of God. That's what he, that's what he, right? It took him 10 years to do it, but he finally did it. But he somehow thinks he's better than Sodom. And we do too. But we just admitted that we're full of a room right now of confessed adulterers, confessed liars, confessed disobedient to children, confessed murderers. We're in a room full of that. And thank God we are. Because if you are not confessing your sin, if you have not confessed your sin, you are not one of his. This, this should be the most humble place in the world. This, this is the place where people openly admit their brokenness. Because my sins, they are many. His mercy is more. That's the point. He is magnified, right? What did John the Baptist say? I may decrease so that he will increase. Well, if you think you don't got a problem with sin and you got it on your own, there's a, you, got another, you got a whole other thing coming, a whole other problem. Our God is good to save sinners. He is merciful and kind to save sinners. So again, as our main text, Genesis 18, 25, how amazing is it that he is showing us his justice and his mercy? It's a preview of the what? Of the cross. Because you should never think that justice and mercy should meet. Justice and mercy can never meet unless your name is Yahweh, unless you are Jesus of Nazareth, because you cannot get what you deserve and not get what you deserve at the same time, unless you're Jesus. He is showing us a preview of the cross over and over again. That is what the Old Testament is about. It is about the risen Savior for sinners like you and I. And if you come to the Old Testament trying to show morality, trying to show anything other than the risen Jesus, you've missed the point. So again, Abraham listening to the voice of Sarah instead of the voice of the Lord, which caused him to do what? Commit adultery. And then turn around two chapters later and judge Sodom as though he wasn't the same thing. How often is that like us? How often do we not, do we judge others rather than showing, giving? be clear, we should love everyone. How we love them is by sacrificing our preferences, not our commitments to the Lord, our preferences, to give them the gospel so that they want to know. And then when we talk, they go, that sounds crazy. I don't believe nobody can get about the grave, but they live consistent. And then from there, you are, you are interceding in the way Abraham did for Lot. You're begging God to save that sinner. That's what we do. Some plant, some water. Yahweh gives the increase. How? What, but he uses his prayer. He uses our prayers sovereignly. He uses our prayers to save his children, to redeem them from the hands of Sodom. Our God is amazing. The fact that he would want to hear from you and I is unbelievable to me. It should be unbelievable to you. You have nothing of value, and yet he redeemed you, loves you. I have, I'm not valuable, but I am in Christ. You are in Christ. So again, Abra uh, Genesis 16:2, Abraham is practically just like Sodom. 
you are practically just like Sodom by nature and by all of the things you've done. Three, sinners need a terrific, perfect mediator who is nothing like them. We need a mediator without sin. John 14, 6, speak the truth in love, right? Abraham is a liar. Jesus speaks the truth in love. Our Savior must be full of truth and command that we are the same. Abraham was like, hey, Sarah, uh, lie for me. I'm not willing to die for you. But what does our Savior do for his bride? He lays down his life. He lays down his life for his bride. Abraham was not willing to die for Sarah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, yeah, that's my sister. Abraham was unwilling to give up his stuff to love Lot. Jesus left the citadel of heaven to love you. He humbled himself and became a man to love me. He left the glories of heaven to redeem sinners like you and I. Remember those people that we don't want to be around? Those confessed murderers, those confessed liars, those confessed pornography watchers, those confessed adulterers. He, he left heaven to be with people like you and I, to die and redeem us so that we would no longer be like that. Not Abraham. He was like, hey, Lot, let's split up. <laughs> My stuff is too valuable. Remember, part of love is sacrifice. That's so I don't tell people who don't believe in Jesus that he loves them. I tell them that he loves sinners. I don't know if he loves you, but how I know he loves me is he laid down his life for me. The tomb is empty for me. How do you know he loves you? Because the tomb is empty for you. John six thirty seven. And the father gives, gives the son... All that the father gives the son, he will not lose. Abraham lost Lot to Sodom. The wonderful thing about our, our salvation, it is before the beginning of time. He will ne all that the father gives to the son, he will by no means lose. How wonderful. So what does that mean? Do not rest on your supposed obedience. Do not rest in your, excuse me, sorry. Do not rest in your good prayers. Rest in the prayers of your high priest. Rest in the cross of your high priest. Rest in the empty tomb of your high priest. Rest in him. All of your doing is wicked. All of my doing is wicked. It is about Jesus. Abraham was unfaithful to Sarai. Jesus is nothing but faithful to, the, to his bride. John 13, 1. Jesus is faithful to love you and I completely faithful. He saves and loves us to the uttermost. Jesus, the only true and merciful mediator. I am going way faster than I thought I would. Sorry. We're going to be done a little earlier, so I'm going to start asking questions. <laughs> um, When you think of Sodom, you should be thinking about who am I meet, who do I know that doesn't believe, right? Don't think of who do I know with great sin. Everyone you know is with great sin. Everyone you know needs a Savior. 
what you should be thinking of is who am I praying for, right? Abraham was, in, in Genesis 18, he was praying for Lot as he was going to get Lot. So a lot of times we'll say things like, Lord, give me the opportunity to share the gospel. Why is that a false statement? Daniel? So Daniel said, because we have more opportunities to share the gospel than we think. Christian? Every time you go out, you have an opportunity. Caleb? I'm just throwing out a guess. Please. So Caleb said is that preaching the gospel is not what saves. Christ is what saves. The, the gospel is an instrument. But I say everything that was made was made for, through, and by him. That includes the gospel. So that means language was made to declare the gospel. So if you're using your language and it is not to give Christ crucified and Christ risen for sinners, then you, the ultimate point of your conversation doesn't make sense. Everything that was made. Language was made to declare the coming king. The gospel is that the king is coming, that he has come, and that he will return. Is that somehow wicked men can get to heaven, wicked women can get to heaven. That is an amazing concept. Justice and mercy meeting should bang your ears. It should not make sense unless they both bow to Jesus. He can do more than, he can multitask. You and I cannot. I cannot text and talk to my wife. Trust me, I get in trouble all the time. But God, on the other hand, can control billions of things all in the same second. And he does every day, all day. But the wonders of you being able to be forgiven, because when they're always, for when my sons were younger, I would tell them that there, there are two ways. When you understand the scripture, we want to understand that if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And your, son, and, you, and your son will bruise the serpent's head. Every verse, if you understand it, that God is somehow showing us he will be just and merciful at the same time. So Genesis 2.17 and Genesis 3.15. That is an amazing concept, and it's all over the scripture. So what, what, we, what, I want, what I want us to get and take away from Genesis 18, from Sodom and Gomorrah, is not the justice in God of judging sinners. It is the justice of God in judging Christ. That's what our salvation is based on. He cannot just clear the guilty. But he can punish his son. He has punished his son. That should literally be your great joy. That's what the cross is. The cross, and I say it all the time as much as I possibly can, it is the greatest evil and the greatest good simultaneously ever. There's never been anything more evil than Jesus. And this is a terrible thing, to kill a million babies, to, to shoot up a hundred churches, and it would never be as wicked as Christ dying on the cross. Remember, the penalty, death is the penalty for sin. He was without sin. It was, the, it was a, a, a bogus trial from the start, but he came to die for a sinner like you and I.
And I want that to, to make sure that, that should resonate. That should be our great joy, our great treasure. Yeah, I'm going way too fast. I am so sorry. So, um, Jesus, the only true and merciful mediator. Genesis 18, 21. Jesus left heaven. He said, let me go and see if, if Sodom is what it is. Question. Why did he go and see? Does Jesus know everything? Without a doubt. From the beginning, from the end, there's nothing he doesn't know. He is completely and totally all-knowing. Why would he go and see then? Is your hand up? Yes, Crystal. Crystal, um, she's cheating, by the way. So, so um, to show his mercy. Let's ruminate on that. He knew. He sent Abraham to mediate to show us in a very real way what Christ's mediation would look like. Even though Abraham was poor because Abraham was a sinner. Abraham was a liar. Abraham was an adulterer. Abraham preferred stuff over his nephew. He preferred his life over the soul of his wife. He would rather her sin, he would rather her lie than, than protect her. He went down to be merciful because he knew what Sodom was. He, before he created the world, he knew what Sodom was. God is showing us how kind and merciful he is. What, when we talk about Sodom or anyone's sin, what we should be driving them to is the cross. A lot, but what happens is when we're offended, we drive them to us being offended. We don't drive them to Christ if their believer has already forgiven you for that, live in that forgiveness. If they're not a believer, we don't drive them to repent and believe. We show them how they've offended us. He went down to show and to redeem. He was literally, it was about the redemption of life. That is amazing that he would be that gentle. Because I'm not that gentle when you sin against me. I, I, I got to grow. <laughs> I know all of you guys in your good Christianity, when somebody offends you, you, you go down to be merciful and share the gospel and sacrifice for them. I'm growing to that. This is, an, this is amazing about our God. He didn't have to go and see. He went to be merciful. He went so that Abraham could mediate for Lot. Christ went to mediate for us. And he did it without sin. He did it as the eternal king. He did it as the God-man. When someone sins against you, is your first thought, let me give them the gospel. Or is your first thought to correct them because you've been offended? Oh, we got a bunch of good Christians. Good, good. My first thought is not to correct them and give them the gospel. It is to show them how they, I've been offended. Because I think I'm a king, and I'm not. I have no kingdom. Offending me means nothing. But if I can show them how God has been offended, and yet he stands ready to forgive, then my offense is now worth something. He went so that Abraham could mediate for Lot. He even chose a sinner 
like Abraham, an adulterous, lying sinner to intercede on behalf of another sinner. How amazing is the mercy of God to go and see instead of doing what? Caleb? Smiting. Isn't that what we do when somebody sins against us? We smite. We, 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 we backstab. We call them names. Our God goes and sees to be merciful. All of this is to set up for the praise of his glorious grace so that we would see the mercy of God in saving sinners, the mercy of God in judging his son for sinners. This is an amazing concept. This is the gospel. This is the only thing that saves men. This is the only thing that saves women. So instead of instant judgment, which is what Abraham, Lot, and Sodom, and who else deserve? Who else? Abraham, Lot, and Sodom, and who else deserves? Me. You. Us. But I saw when we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, no longer should we think of the judgment of God. No longer should we think of God smiting. We should think of the mercy of God in saving sinners. And you no longer will say them over there. Because with everything going on, there's going to come a time really soon when eunuchs will walk in this door. And what's a eunuch? It's someone who says not having sex anymore. And why are there eunuchs? Because they would have mutilated their bodies. Because they would have believed that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. And we must embrace them as brothers and sisters of the Lord. Unless you're saying there are certain sins Jesus can't save from. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, that's heresy. My sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Right? That's all, that's all I got. <laughs> and I want us to really start embracing that. It is never us versus them. Again, it is one sinner telling another sinner about the God who saves sinners. And if we're not approaching people with that, that I'm giving you this because it is the only cure for, the, for your greatest need. But I'm not going to give it to you in such a way that I offend you. It may offend you. The truth of your sin may offend you. But I'm going to give it to you in such a way that, that you're offended by Jesus and not by me. Well, that's, that's okay. If you don't want to believe, you're going to hell anyways. I'm clearly trying to be offensive. But I can, right? So all your internet posting where you're going back and forth and you're tweeting and twatting and Facebooking, stop. This, this thing was done on the grassroots level. It got 10,000 miles to Las Vegas, grassroots. The people you work with, your, your biggest enemy, those are the people you are living in front of and sharing Christ crucified, Christ risen for their sins for. Because believe me when I tell you, you're not better than anyone in Sodom. I'm not better than anyone in Sodom. But if you think you are, then when you share the gospel, you are doing damage to the gospel. But he still saves. Even with all of our stupidity, he still saves. So, so do the thing correctly. Give them the gospel. Because when those eunuchs start walking in here, we cannot look at them funny. They are sinners saved by grace. And it's coming. But the problem is, you believe in your internet, your YouTube, 
pastor instead of the Savior. You have another mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. So if every time you hear somebody, let me go check Johnny Mack or Vody Bauckham or Paul Washer, those are, they, they preach the gospel. But if that's your go-to and not Genesis to Revelation, you have a problem. You have four qualified men who love the Lord and who are preaching the word, and you have a local body that should be your go-to. You should be discipling and being discipled. You should be training in righteousness, being disciple, discipling, not let me find out what my favorite, what my mediator says. If you want to know what your mediator says, thank you. Then go to Genesis to Revelation. And then go to Ephesians and pray that the eyes of your heart, your heart, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to do here. Genesis 18, 22. Again, we're going, Jesus, the only true and merciful mediator. God sends Abram to mediate. But he can, Abram can only save Lot and his family. But when God sends the eternal son, he's saved from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, and from every generation. Thousands of years before the, before the Messiah and thousands of years after Messiah, Jesus saves a multitude. And in, in Exodus 12, it's called a mixed multitude. Foreigners now become members of the family. So Abram, our poor mediator, our terrible mediator, can only save Lot and his family. Jesus saves, look. Just look around. He saves all of his people to the very end, to the absolute uttermost. All that the Father give to him, he will by no means lose. When I sin, does grace abound? Yes. But may I never sin so that grace abounds. But when I sin, grace abounds. Oh, how wonderful is our God. There should be no greater joy. Uh, My oldest son always tells a joke. When my dad gives a Bible study, just call it Jesus. That's all he's going to talk about. (laughs) So I say, thank God that I've halfway lived a decent life in front of my son, that that's all I got. I'm a one-trick pony. I don't got nothing but Jesus. Nothing at all. Genesis 18, 25. God lets Abraham declare to God that God is just, and he is. But what Abraham doesn't realize is he's also declaring the mercy of God. Abraham is still yet to see in this passage, even in the wonderful justice of God, that God can still be merciful. Abraham can only see and can only appeal to the justice of God. But if Abraham actually listens to himself more carefully, if Abraham actually listens to himself more carefully, Abraham will see that in his own statement, he literally explains the amazing grace of God, the glorious grace of God, the lavish grace of God, the justice and mercy meeting at the cross, kissing grace of God. To the praise of his glorious grace, grace of God. 
Ephesians 1, 6, because sinners, liars, adulterers, homosexuals, fornicators, disobedient children, murderers, man-stealers, all need and want for the righteous to be put to death with the wicked as though the righteous is wicked. That's our greatest need. Abraham was declaring the justice of God and not even realizing what he was really declaring was the mercy of God. So God's strange work is his justice, and we know that because all of us still have breath. His normal work is mercy. Never see it as normal. See it as amazing. See it as lavish. See it as glorious. See it for his pra- the praise of his, Ephesians 1.6, for the praise of his glorious grace. That is what's on display, that God is merciful to sinners like you and I. I'm going to read that again. If Abraham listens to himself more carefully, Abraham will see that in his own statement, Abraham literally explains this amazing grace of God, this glorious grace of God, this lavish grace of God, the justice and mercy meeting and kissing grace of God, the bow your head and worship grace of God, to the praise of his glorious grace, grace of God. Because again, Sinners, liars, adulterers, fornicators, children disobedient to their parents, murderers, man-stealers, all need for the righteous to die with the wicked as though the righteous is wicked. We call this place the cross. You get the amazing grace of God. You get the praise of his glorious grace, grace of God. You get the, there's one mediator between God and man, grace of God, the man Christ Jesus, who gave, him, who gave himself as a ransom for many. So, because I'm ending way early, sorry, you get, get some of your night back, I guess. Um, the, what I want you to take away from this is, read your Bible more than you read books, more than you read YouTube, more than you read the internet, more than you read TV or radio sermons. Go meet this Jesus. Go meet him every day. Right? Where we feast on Sundays together when one of our four elders rightly divide the words of God and then God is speaking to his people. If you want to visit good sermons or visit good books, awesome. Where you live, where you set up resident is from Genesis to Revelation because God is literally speaking. So if I were to ask you, who had greater revelation? God speaking literally to Abraham or you? What would you say? What would you rather have? What God did with Abraham or what you have in the scriptures? Anyone? Everyone? Someone? The complete and full revelation of God. Abraham didn't even have a whole book of Genesis. <laughs> like, like, right? He didn't have a whole book of Genesis. By 50, he was already dead. It was Jacob, was right? By, by Genesis 50, Abraham was already dead. He didn't have the whole book of Genesis. You have the complete word of God, and you're using someone else. You have the mediator who died for you, who came out of heaven for you, who rose for you, who went to heaven, ascended, and then poured out the Holy Spirit on you, who 
made a new covenant with you. And we're going to your favorite internet, YouTube, radio. Pray daily and often to your mediator. Number two. Because I know you think you have good prayers, you don't. But your high priest has perfect prayers. He'll take your prayer and fix it. He'll take my prayer and fix it. Three, spend the bulk of your religious time with the, with the written word of God, who is the merciful mediator, Jesus, the living word of God. Spend the bulk of your religious time with the written word of God, who is the merciful mediator, the living word of God, Jesus. Spend your time there. And you will begin to see how amazing it is that he would forgive you and me. Bible study in a sentence. Jesus is the perfect and only mediator between God and man. Not Abram, not John MacArthur, not Vody Bauckham, not Paul Washer. Not any of your favorite YouTube, internet, TV books. Go to Jesus. If you have to visit those, those men as they faithfully rightly divide those scriptures, awesome. But where your time should be is with the Savior. Where my time should be is with the Savior. Any questions before we end way early? Anything? Um, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your son. Thank you. He is the one true and only mediator. Um, may I have rightly divided the word so that you are honored, so that you are magnified, so that our hearts are set aflame, that your people are edified, that this was for your glory and for our good. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Give us traveling grace home. May we be humbled, may we exalt much, may we make much of you, may we make much of exalting you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.